Did you know that the first movie to put out a motion picture soundtrack was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? We've got all sorts of awesome information, facts, and more coming up. We got lots of info. Let's rock and roll. It's Digital with Rhino. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Did You Know with Ryan O. In case you didn't know, I'm Ryan O. This is my show. And I know exactly what you're thinking. Was it released in seven different parts or was it all together in just one giant album? Here at Did You Know with Ryan O, the podcast, we talk about all sorts of fun and interesting things. Uh, we talk about pop culture references. Sometimes we deep dive into some geography. We can even talk about science, history, religion. We can go over all sorts of amazing and crazy things, but we don't do it alone. No, ladies and gentlemen, this time I am going to be hanging out with a cool guy, uh, someone who's been on the podcast before. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Stephen Poole. Hello, dude. Welcome back to the podcast. How are things? Things are going really good. I mean, uh, it's nice to be back at work sometimes. Sometimes not. Sometimes, yeah. It's one of those things where you want money, but you don't necessarily want to deal with people because people are not nice. Not nice, and the number of times people have just, like, gotten way too close to me considering the situation is uh, starting to really grate on my brain. Well, because people um, as a whole... Just it like mob mentality, all sorts of craziness. They just follow what everyone else is doing. But a person can be nice and genuine. Yeah. But you know, you could tell one person, hey, could you step behind that line for me? Thanks. Now let's continue our conversation. As opposed to, hey, how about all 90 of you that are currently running towards me? Please stop running towards me. All right. The uh the store is full. You have to wait in line. That's ridiculous. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't set how many people are allowed in the store. You know, choices were made. And unfortunately, <laughs> the choice to not let you in was one of them. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm digging, for those of you that are listening right now, he's wearing like a, a Christmas sweater. I love this sweater. And like... Yeah, it has Santa on it, but literally anytime it's cold, I'm like, I'll put it on. Why not? Well, it's super comfy. I understand. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It is nice. People need to wear sweaters more often. I know the ugly Christmas sweater thing is kind of big where it's like, oh, wear it around Christmas. No, they're fucking comfy. Wear them all the time. Just wear them all the time because uh, you should, because they make you feel good. And what makes you feel good, as long as it doesn't make other people feel bad, should always be the thing. It's really sad that you had to, like, point out the as long as it doesn't make other people feel bad, you would think that would be more of, like, a understood rule. But that's where people's thought processes of um, egocentrism just take over. They see, um, they see themselves without truly under, this is where I'm about to get deep, without truly understanding themselves, which is intimacy or into me, I see. TM Love Guru. <laughs> That's pretty good. No, I'm not going to. I like that. If you don't really know yourself, it's hard for you to see outside yourself. That's true for sure. Because yeah, there, there are so many things that people enjoy and that people like that other people just kind of um, have, have taken a crap on over the years just because it's different or they might see it as a tiny bit childish or something like that. Yeah, no, definitely. There's nothing worse than like feeling boxed in or like for a long time I was a dude. So I was very raw, raw sports and nothing else because like I felt like that was what people wanted. And you kind of other things that you were interested in kind of get pushed out to the side. I was I was kind of into trying to learn all these um, musicals and whatnot, because being a musician, that's what I thought people wanted, me to know guys and dolls, even though I, I, I did know some of that. But I was like, I, I kind of just want to sing Elvis because I'm getting paid. <laughs> I mean, whatever makes money is always nice. Money is wonderful. Also, Elvis is awesome. His it, music's great. And if it's that perfect little 
um, aspect of if what brings you joy also brings you money, then you should do more of that. Oh, 100%. If not everyone gets to make money doing things that make them happy. So if you find an outlet for that, 10 out of 10, go for it for as long as you can because at the end of the day, you need money to survive, but you need happiness too. Like you're not going to make it if you're always miserable. And speaking of things that make us uh, less miserable, that brings us into our first segment of the episode, which we're already into. I love it. I love segues. I'm the. I should get a, a t-shirt or a crown that says "King of Segways." <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this particular one is um, from the Book of Faces. It's called Rhino and the Mailbox of Doom, where we try to answer some questions without getting chased by a giant boulder. Now, a long time ago, I asked questions online, whether on Facebook or Twitter or whatnot. Um, in this particular instance, it was, what song immediately brings you joy? Or what song makes you smile? So I'm going to give a couple of responses here that I've seen online. Then uh, you and I will comment along the way. How's that? Absolutely. All right, so the first one on here is Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. It definitely is one of those things where, like, drunk me would immediately start to dance. But, like, you know, recently, I don't drink anymore, but, like, it's one of those songs that definitely gives you some energy, if nothing else. So, so did you, um, do you dance, if not um, with, with assistance? Not with other people able to see. Okay. Is it yeah. that you don't feel 100% um, like your moves are star worthy or you just don't have the groove? I'm just definitely, uh, I'm a kind of a private person. I think you know that in some ways. I don't, I have to be very close to someone before I talk with certain things. Where, like, this is different. I'm just talking to random people on the internet mm -hmm. and you who I know, but like, I'm kind of a, in general, I keep in my shell a little bit. So you're not going to like bust a move or cut a rug um, on the dance floor unless you're like surrounded by tw 12 yeah. people who are also making a fool of themselves. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So you also don't probably don't want to be the only guy that's not dancing. Absolutely not. If you're the only one not dancing, it's also equally uncomfortable. So, so somewhere in between. So like you do yeah. like, like in Hitch where your arms are kind of to your side and you're just moving back and forth. Love it. 100%. 100% that's it. So, so the next song on here is Celebrate by Cool and the Gang. Not one I think about that often, but an okay song for sure. I like to think about it once um, something successful happened. Uh, it's kind yeah. of like hearing We Are the Champions. I, I'm an Atlanta fan. I don't know that one. You we don't, don't have that song. You don't have that song? <laughs> I'm a Lions fan. Um, we don't even know we're in the playoffs. We don't know that song either. Yeah. <laughs> I know the We we Blew It song. I, that's a, a favorite here in it, back home in Atlanta. Uh, I, I would. Does it go, we blew it, we blew it, we blew it? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And it comes up just about every year one of the teams finds a, a new way to disappoint us. Uh, yeah, um, being surrounded by, by teams that didn't necessarily do that well. Like when I was at Central Michigan University, um, our, our team was doing pr pretty awesome uh, up until I graduated, like in 2011, because then we, we didn't even go to a, a bowl or anything. It's just it, it, it's it's been rough ever since. I'm honestly not sure what hurts more the. Uh when you're consistently in the playoffs like the Braves and just always find a way to lose, or if you're the Falcons and it's like you might have one good year, but for the most part, you're you're lying south. Yeah, it's it's never a good, happy time. But a song that could be, another segue, is Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, which is a Monty Python song. Life of Brian is one of my favorite movies. I love this song. It's the my go-to if I'm having a bad day, for sure. Remind me after uh, this to send you a link to a t-shirt I found today. It's, it's Life of Brian. Perfect, thanks. There's also another one that's a combination of, um, of Among Us and um, The Black Knight. 
<laughs> so I'll, I'll have to yeah. show you that one too. Awesome. Um, let's see. So we also got the Game of Love by Santana, which is kind of a uh, not necessarily a well-known song. I honestly don't know that one. I'll be real with you. It has no. a. It's Santana, so it has a nice um guitar to it, and the yeah. lyrics. I th- is it Michelle Branch? Maybe it's a Game of Love by Santana. Um, I think it's Michelle Branch. Let me see. Yes, it is Michelle Branch. Michelle Branch and Santana. Okay, I have to check that out probably as soon as this is over. And, That's and, awesome. And the lyrics are like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We started up to we started with the kiss. Now we're up to bat. Oh wow! Okay. It's all in the game of love. I can't sing any much more of that for like copyright reasons. <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, let's see, a song that I don't need to sing because everyone knows is Play That Funky Music. White boy. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's a great one. I just... It's definitely, when I hear that song, I think, like, wedding or, like, old people trying to relate to young people. Yeah. Like, it's, like, right on that verge where, like, it's cool, but, like, it's... It's like, oh, I want something my kid will dance to. I'll put it on. <laughs> because everyone can dance to it. It's 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 a song all about dancing the most awkward way possible. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, as we're recording this, I think I'm getting a package um, from I think the UPS right now. Uh, the, the driver just is about to knock or. No, he just left it there. Anyways, um, little intermission there. Uh, the next song here is "You've Got a, You've Got a Friend in Me." So that's the old uh, uh, Toy Story song. Yeah. Working in Toy Story Land has uh, made all Toy Story music background noise. At this point, I you would play it and I probably wouldn't notice. <laughs> I, like it would just be like it'd be like the Dino Land soundtrack. I'd be like, oh yeah, there's music playing. Well, that's this kind of like happy by Pharrell. Yeah. Clap along if you, yeah. Because, like I said, if you hear the same song every day, it doesn't necessarily bring you that much joy unless you um, don't hear it for a long period of time. Yeah. For example, when Christmas came around, I was listening to Mariah Carey every 72 minutes while I was at work. And it was not fun for three whole months. And then finally, um, I, I start hearing some other songs. I'm like, is, is that all star? That is all star. I've missed that song, but, uh, but now am I probably going to hate hearing all star in six months? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's one advantage is, uh, with the Toy Story music, it's an instrumental version, so it's not like a hatred. It's more of like it's literally tuned out to the point I don't know what's happening. It's just it's just something there. Like you like you yeah. you, you probably could sing along if you were thinking about it, but how often are you really gonna be singing along to it? Absolutely, yeah. And so we got the last song on here is Rolling on the River. And knowing the person who put this down, um, she was probably thinking of the the Elvis version or the Tina Turner version, either one. All right. I definitely have heard the Tina Turner version more and it's just, it's a good song in general. It's again, one I probably wouldn't just like pick up and think to play, but it, I would definitely be in a good mood if someone had it on. Well, cause the, the CCR version, which is, I believe the original one um, was the, it was nice and soft and, you know, the, the good old proud Mary, um, but, um, like with uh, Ike and Tina and then Elvis just kind of pepping it up like, who, ooh, 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 yeah. It was a good old time. Yeah. Uh, Tina Turner is always great. I love Tina Turner music. It has a good energy just like naturally to it. She sings an amazing, um, an amazing James Bond song. Uh, because I have every single James Bond everything known to man. Um, but, but her song is Goldeneye. Oh, really? Yep. She she wow. sings the, the main tune for Goldeneye. Because I could, I actually probably should, do an entire podcast on my favorite James Bond songs. Because that would be an entire podcast. 
Wow. I could also do an entire podcast on my favorite Power Rangers songs. Man, that's a tough one. I know. We've got time to think about it. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of like the Zio theme the best, I think. And that's the one that has like like the the harmonies at the very beginning. Yeah. Because it's it's Zio, go, Zio. And then he breaks into stronger than before, go, Zio. Oh, it's good times. Yeah, no, it, it's just so freaking catchy, just from the beginning. Uh, although the first one's classic. I'm oh, also a fan of We Need a Hero. What? We Need a Hero. Yeah. By good old Ron Wasserman. I've, I've got stories about that, too. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that's going to um, be it for Ryan O and the Mailbox of Dune. We, we talked about all sorts of fun things relating to that question. But now it's time to talk about the word of the day before we get into anything ridiculous and crazy and or I forget about it. So what's going to happen is I'm going to tell you the word and I'm going to have you try to guess what it means. How does that sound? All right. I'll even spell it for you. It is, um, it is mimesis. M-I-M-E-S-I-S. Mimesis. Mimesis? Yep. Mimesis. Or mimesis. Mimesis. Is it mimosas for mice? Uh, I think that'd be mimosamesis. I like like where you're going with it. Mimosas for meses. Yes. Or that'd be mismosas. Mismosas? Mismosas. It would probably be Mismosas. That sounds good. Uh, let's see. So this one here, it's a Greek word. Um, it is basically imitation or mimicry. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because the base of it, M-I-M-E, so mime right there, mimesis, duplicating a word or duplicating something to, to imitate. All right. Yeah. My- Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It starts with M-I, so mimic. Yeah. So, like, if you had a Pokemon, Mr. Mime, using telekinesis, that would be Mimesis. Mimesis. It would. (laughs) And after that terrible joke, it's time for a word from our sponsor. (laughs) What's up, y'all? This is Nate Hampton, also known as Cousin Nate. Got myself a new SoundCloud up and running. Would appreciate the likes, the listens, the follows, and all that good stuff. If you like up-tempo, fast-paced mixes, this is the place for you. Also going to have a lot more mixes coming up real soon. So give it a follow. It's www.soundcloud.com slash cousin underscore Nate. Thank you so much. Are you currently wearing a Team Ryan O shirt? Well, if you're not, you should be. And you can be. At our merchandise shop, Zazzle.com, that's Z-A-Z-Z-L-E.com slash store slash Did You Know with Ryan O. We've got all sorts of amazing shirts, even pertaining to some amazing inside jokes here, including choices were made. Ryan O is my hero. Adam's cheesesteaks, the rambunctious Johnson sick note tour shirt, and much, much more. You can even find some koozies, some hats, and some other amazing stuff only at the Zazzle.com slash store slash did you know with Ryan O. Wear it, share it, love it. Did you know with Ryan O? And look at us, we have returned. Um, while we have returned, it's time for everyone's uh, craziest, sometimes least favorite part, where I talk about random facts that I find on the internet. So, Stephen, what do you know about Indonesia? Indonesia, uh, mostly that its market is based around producing, like they're kind of like Taiwan in that they produce cheap, mass-produced garbage. But that's about all I know. I don't really know much about them culturally. Well, um, if we're talking about um, altitude-wise in their physical characteristics, people in Indonesia are some of the shortest people in the world. Okay. 
I, I know, I know. Just bear with me. So apparently there was a um, Telegraph, which is a apparently a popular um, news slash um, media export. Um, they did some various data and research. And in 2017, after taking both genders into account, the average adult there is five feet, 1.8 inches. Wow. And in Bolivia, they're five feet, 2.4 inches. That's interesting. Did they have any particular guess as to what the correlation was there? Uh, This particular one doesn't say so because it kind of breaks it down into like basically the headlines. Yeah. But it does give the opposite side of the spectrum. So where do you think you'd be able to find the tallest adults? Tallest adults. Probably. I feel like a lot of Brazilians are very tall. And United States? It's actually a little bit further east. Um, It is in the Netherlands. Okay. I don't know why. I really want to know why. I'll probably know by the time the next episode happens. See, now I'm, I want to look that up. That's very interesting. So apparently people in the Netherlands are just gigantic. Yeah. So we got a, a map. Um, if I'm going even further into it, there's a map here that tells us um, like how where people are based on it. Oh, no. The Telegraph, um, which is a UK uh, online magazine, wants me to pay for it in order to figure out more information from them. We don't pay for online newspapers. I I no longer want to know why, (laughs) because they're (laughs) making me want to pay. (laughs) Oh, my local, my local newspaper just recently put up a paywall on even like you can get the headline and you can click on it. Mm-hmm. But you can't even get like the first blurb of the article anymore. Like the second you click the headline, it's like, do you want to pay us? No, no, I do not. Exactly. And so based off of a basic Google search, um, according to BBC News, Dutch men um, and Latvian women um, tower over most people. Okay. Um, let's see. Iranian men and South Korean women have the biggest spurts. Increasing their their height by more than six to eight inches, um, based off of like in puberty, like. Okay. Um, let's see. In the UK, um, it's about the same. The, the average is five feet ten inches tall. Yes, I'm taller than them. <laughs> I I love that. I like being. I love these averages because they make me feel tall. I also might move to Indonesia so I can finally be a star basketball player. Oh yeah, like like we go to Latvia and we can be super tall. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. Sub Sahara Africa um, heights have fallen. They don't, they don't say why. Um, here we go. Some of the variation in height across the globe can be explained by genetics. But the authors say that DNA cannot be the dominant factor. Um, some people say it could be genes. It could also, genes don't change that fast and they don't vary much across the world. So change over time and variations are largely environmental. So it's, it's environment, but it, um, good standards of healthcare. Here we go. Good standards of healthcare, sanitation, and nutrition were the key drivers. Um, also important is a mother's health and nutrition during pregnancy. That makes sense. Uh, okay, so early development, just like with everything else. They also say that height is correlated with both positive outcomes and a few negative ones. Tall people often have, have a longer life expectancy with a reduced risk of heart disease. On the other hand, there is some evidence that they are at greater risk of certain cancers, such as um, colorectal, postmenopausal, breast, and ovarian cancers. Um, So the growth factors may promote mutated cells, they're saying. All right. I rescind all my previous uh, (laughs) anger about not being a few inches taller for sport reasons. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where 
where like, yes, would I like to be a couple inches taller when I was in high school? Sure. But, you know, being pretty much six feet, pretty good for America. Yeah. It, it gets, it's solid. I definitely, you know, now that I have finished college and, you know, moved into the workforce, I am tall enough to succeed. So that's all I really need right now. And you don't often need a step stool. Yes. Or, you know, if you are, if you're clever and know which lightsabers can grab things off the top shelf, you don't ever need the step stool. No, you just got to make sure that OSHA isn't watching you. OSHA, OSHA doesn't need to know anything. Uh, well, speaking of people knowing things, we're going to kind of shift gears a tiny bit and talk about car keys and, and remote signals. Okay. Um, because of where your head is, um, people claim that if you point your key, your car keys to your head, it increases the remote's signal range. Okay. Yep. Yeah, increase car remote range, which is based off of a certain thing like that. Um, digital debunking. Here we go. Based off of Al Altair blog, they said that. Um, so there was a, a physics-based software that they were using that could boost the theories that you could boost your range by using your own head like an antenna um let's see what else i can find here uh so after further reading the article it says um based off of all these different diagrams um that holding the remote close to your head in certain orientations does increase the realized gain in the required direction and therefore increases increases the range so i i, I guess depends on if you're just placing it out um, it's very directional, but if you place it in, it, your body acts as an antenna. That's awesome. So uh, using your brain as a dispersal point. Kind of like its own radio transmitter, which which I'm curious yeah. as to what the prolonged effects would be to that. Like, could it cause like certain illnesses or... I mean, hopefully you aren't looking for your car often enough that uh, you cause that kind of damage. Hopefully you have a general gist of direction most of the time. What I used to do is I used to take, um, whenever I went to like a theme park or somewhere giant that had like numbers and parking lot names, I would take the, that name and either text it to myself or tweet it out so that I would never forgot where my car was. Yeah. So I would say like D 23, so, like, only a few people knew what D23 meant. I definitely take pictures as soon as whoever I'm riding with parks because my memory is terrible and there's no other way I'm going to get back there. Yeah, it's but if you transmit it and send your information across, hopefully no one will, will forget, especially you. And speaking of not forgetting things... Um, I think you and I should talk about one of the most unforgettable things of our youth, and that is one of our favorite TV shows as a child. Yes. So, one of the coolest things I we're talking about Power Rangers because we it's honestly one of the first things we bonded about in uh, Dino Land. Once I started getting some more early shifts, uh, I talked to you a little bit. I knew you did a podcast, but we talked a little bit about Power Rangers, and you showed me a Power Rangers mobile game. And I think that's really when I first started to understand how much I really enjoyed talking to you. It was it was a, a fun bonding um, thing that we did. The game ended up not you know lasting that long, uh, but but the friendship has. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because because this little game, um, you could collect different shards for each ranger and then eventually build up your team. And I got to a point where I collected 80% of the rangers teams and then it just didn't become that fun. It was just very grueling and just kind of not even time consuming, just kind of boring after a certain time. I think that's the biggest problem that most mobile games have is like at one point when you get started, you're like, I really want this, this and this. And then you get that and you're like, Oh man, this game is really not fun. Yeah, once I um finished 
uh, two complete rosters. So that includes their um, extra ranger. Um, I, I noticed that in order to get the other ones, it would just take weeks of just logging on once a day, spending some coins, logging on once a day, spending some coins. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, it, mobile games are definitely designed for maximized profit, not so much maximized uh, game experience. I was uh, playing one for the longest time uh, about Star Wars, and um, I wanted to unlock, like, like fully complete my Mace Windu. Wanted to make him like the strongest ever, and it took me months. I finally did. And then I'm like, okay, now what? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I think my favorite is the ones that offer cash prizes and you play 27 levels and it's like, cool, you've earned five cents. That's a bummer. All you have to do is play for another two more years and you can earn a dollar and you're like, no, I'm good. But but that five cents, um, you're probably spending more on your phone bill by using Wi-Fi or anything. Exactly. It's just, it's a waste of time. And again, good on them. Mobile games are a good way to collect funding, but not so great. So in talking about the mobile game, we, we discover that we both like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Now we, we like Power Rangers in general, but I think specifically just to kind of narrow the conversation for today, let's, let's talk about the, the original series of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So the best thing about the Power Rangers is, always got to be the fact that you go into it as a kid in the nineties and you watch this show and they make being a teenager seem so much cooler than it is in real life. Like apparently you just leave high school and everyone walks over to the, the, the juice bar where everyone does martial arts or gymnastics and like the communities don't really work like that. But as a kid, you don't know that. So you're like, oh man, I'm going to go to high school and we're going to have this tight knit team. That's going to spend every day together. It, it was kind of weird because like looking back at it, the, the people who were playing high school kids were clearly not in high school. <laughs> well, again, that's another, like the, as a kid, you don't know what it looks like. So you're like, yeah, this all checks out. And, oh. and, and it was, it was probably like, um, mer- merchandised and geared towards kids, um, but I've I've got a bunch of crazy information that we'll we'll talk about after our our first um, overall like our, our first thoughts on it. So what what were your first opinions or or what's your first memory when it comes to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? So I think the thing that stands out the most was. I remember distinctly when the Green Ranger debuted. And I remember that whole story arc where Green with Evil Peter created him and he was going to take him out. And he actually, he actually did like he wrecked them the first time they showed up and it was like, Oh, this guy is really that good. And then, you know, three episodes later, he <laughs> green with them, the ends and he's a nice guy again, but like, yeah, no, the the introduction of Tommy was definitely the first big memory I have. I, I remember coming home from 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 like kindergarten and uh and it, it came out and I was watching it after school. And so like most people around that time um were probably watching like like Barney or Lamb Chop or uh polka dots or Eureka's Castle and stuff like that. But I decided Batman and Power Rangers was what I wanted to watch. Yeah. And uh, it, it was all these colors and amazing guitars. And um, it was just something because there were kids on TV that I I felt re- relatable, even though I was clearly like 15 years younger than they were. Yeah, no, that was the best part was like you could definitely and, you know, every I remember like every kid when we were, we were growing up, we would play Power Rangers because we all thought we could were just like them, even though, again, we were 15 or more years younger. And I do remember fighting over certain Rangers because 
you know, poor Billy. No one ever wanted to be Billy. <laughs> it's one of those things like nowadays you would want to be Billy because Billy's the smartest one. And if it weren't for the Power Rangers, he'd probably be um, he'd probably be a NASA scientist. Oh, yeah. And he also, you know, looking at it from a more practical perspective, being Ned Yost wouldn't be so bad because he hung around for a long time and made a bit of money on that show because, like, he just kept staying. Everyone else would bail. And he was like, no, I'm fine. I'll be a Power Ranger for the rest of my life. Whatever. Yeah, he hung around until the end of Zeo, I think. Yeah, he he definitely he bailed out right around the end of Zio. And uh, I think he was the last of the original five left at that point. Yeah, because uh, because Jason um, Austin St. John had, had come and gone um, yeah. a couple of times since then. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, like looking at all of them, um, he was the only one that that physically I could relate to, especially as I got older. Because I had glasses and like shaggy hair. Yeah, I know. I uh, I always wanted to. <laughs> Again, as a little kid, like it, it doesn't matter. I, I like the Black Ranger because he danced. Of course. So like Walter E. Jones, he was the best because he he wasn't fighting. He was just break dancing and kicking people in the face, and he was so cool. Like if you ever get into a fight, just scare them with your break dancing. Exactly. You break dance so hard, they have to run away in fear. They won't know what hit them because it's probably going to be your foot after you move it 17 times. The, actually, the cool thing about him, I've met Walter, I've met a couple of them, but I met Walter E. Jones one time. And he looks pretty much exactly the same. Like every, Austin St. John's put on a little weight. Uh, Jason David Frank has. You know, he does MMA now and he has gone full traditional. I have tattoos all over my body, you know. And then Billy just hasn't aged as gracefully. But Walter E. Jones looks pretty much exactly the same. And Amy Jo Johnson, still super pretty. Uh, Well, yeah. She, it was funny. When I met Walter, I talked about how at the premiere, all the guys took a picture together and Amy wasn't there. And he just looked at me and goes, I don't know, man. <laughs> He's like, I guess she thinks she's better than us or something to that effect. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I hit a sore subject. My bad. Which is weird because like, uh, she did a like Felicity afterwards and that's about it. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's talk about some of the history of the show. So Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, um, was based after, um, super, super Sentai, which is a, a show that Japanese superhero team meta series um, produced by a Toei company and Bandai. Um, it's got a whole bunch of colorful characters started off. Um, oh geez. The, it started off in the seventies and then yeah. they were doing more and more shows over and over again. So the power Rangers took um, some B like, like all of those stuff of them in the costume is ripped from the Super Sentai show. And I think this particular one, if I go back, I'm going to like butcher the name of this one. Um, let's see, is it uh, Kururi Sentai's Zayu Ranger? I think so. That sounds right. Yeah, it's it was one of the 80s versions. So it was actually a, a little bit into the run of the show. Super Sentai was the first season of Power Rangers. And, and so that's them in the, the costumes. So then outside the costumes, you had to get your team. Um, so like, of course, you had your, um, your, your, your Jason, Trini, Zach, Kimberly, and Billy um, inside the, the outfits that they kind of um, did their things with. Um, and they, they're Zords, so these giant, crazy robots, um, like as tall as skyscrapers, were modeled after uh, dinosaurs for the first season. Yeah, so the first season they did uh, they did the the dinos and uh, and then when they needed the power upgrade, they did the Thunderzords and they went from dinosaurs to mythical beast. 
which was based after the Go See Sentai Dia Ranger, says here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, the first the first first Megazord was actually one I owned. So I owned that one, and I owned the Ninja Zord as a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one was a pain in the butt to build. Like it was not a children's toy because the pieces didn't fit well, and then uh, the stupid like pterodactyl folded over and it's like no kid can actually build this so once it was built you just left it that way because taking them apart was a nightmare i remember um pretty much having every zord for the the first two two seasons because like that was the thing like every christmas was a new zord yeah yeah so like the, the the dragon zord from um tommy the green ranger was of course, the coolest thing because it was uh, like Mecha Godzilla, but it had missiles in its chest. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because they definitely used the same. I was actually watching a YouTube video. Or I guess somebody pointed out that like that it's it is an old Godzilla Toho movie, just with a plastic, you know, samurai Megazord against the rubber monster as opposed to Godzilla. Like, it's basically the same effects. They smash the cardboard buildings. Yeah, like, all these... And that was some of the cool things. Like, like half of the show was, like, one-on-one martial arts, like, many groups martial arts. And the last part, like I said, gigantic things, crushing buildings, punching each other, using dubbed um, uh, voices and crazy 90s special effects it was great and then the the sheer amount of b-roll that like as a kid you didn't realize that they had one cut scene for eat for the megazords like the dragon sword destroyed the same building in power line every time he rose out of the water and as a kid you don't notice that and you're like that poor power company just needs to move <laughs> and, and then when they were uh, like morphing uh, like changing from their human form into their ranger form. For those of you who don't know what Power Rangers are, which you, you probably should, um, they would always use the same footage of them morphing from one to the other or, or changing. It was always the same image all the time with it, like a fancy green screen. Yeah, and uh, it, it takes a, a solid minute and a half, too, for all of them to transform. And then as you get later into the seasons, they always do it, like, all at once. But when you the first, like, ten episodes of every season, it's, all right, Red Ranger transforms. Then you see the Blue Ranger. And then, and they, it, you know, then Triceratops. They did the same thing with their Zords, too, when they're trying to combine them into the giant Megazord or, like, yeah. armored dude. So, they would, so if you take out th- that two minutes and the two minutes of them doing their thing... You really didn't have to. Um, you didn't have to like record much. You record your cold intro, uh, trying to figure out what problem they were having in their school, and then um, you'd have some issues. Um, so I guess before we go into the issues, we kind of need to talk about the, the overall plot. Um, so there's a there's a guy named Zordon from a different planet, but he's stuck kind of in between dimensions, and he uses his robotic assistant to select five teenagers with attitude to defend the world from Rita Repulsa, who is this evil witch who's trying to destroy the world after 10,000 years of confinement on the moon. That's a pretty solid synopsis. (laughs) Except, oh, you forgot, Rita has a whole team of uh, soldiers that were with her in confinement. She's got Finster, who is like her... Um, her sculptor who can create every monster that she wants. She's got the, the leader of her army, um, her, her general, which is Goldar, giant gold dude with the blue face. Then she's got the two idiots who are basically like Timon and Pumbaa or Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Um, trying to scroll down really quickly. Named, I'll get there. Uh, <laughs> Squat and Babu. That's right. And, uh, yeah, and they create problems for the whole city while uh, Bulk and Skull, the two, like, stereotypical 90s bully characters, create some problem at the school that has to be dealt with as well. And then you have some other, like, minor characters, like um, like their principal, um, Miss, or is it just Mr. Mr. Appleby? Or, no, Mr. Kaplan. That's his name. 
Yeah. So you got Ms. Appleby, you got Ernie, the dude who owns the youth center where they go to after school at all times, and he gives them some device or some advice and stuff. Ernie was definitely one of the best, like, because most of the time with the 90s shows, like, you have Boy Meets World, there was always, like, the older guy that was giving advice, like, Mr. Uh, Feeney. Mm-hmm. But unlike, Ernie was cool, so he was better. Because, like, unlike, he wasn't an old teacher who was, like, having sage wisdom. He's like, man, just have a juice and forget about it. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was juice, so dude was just trying to hop up kids on sugar. Exactly. And he let a lot of martial arts like happen in his youth center and gymnastics. And, like, yeah, but like, like high risk martial arts. Like Jason and Tommy would beat the crap out of each other and the other kids, and be like, "Oh, you learn a valuable lesson about getting your ass kicked, kid." And, and you never <laughs> saw them bleed. That's one thing you never really saw them do. Well, you don't want them bleeding. It's harder for Bandai to sell toys if there's blood, blood stains on things. Uh, so, so, so we go back to like the overall um, breakdown of the show. You have your intro with the most amazing theme song that was ever created for kids' television. Ron Wasserman's a genius. Oh my God. It, it's so it's so catchy. Like the second it goes on, you you're guaranteed to at least try and watch the show. Uh, so, so that particular theme song was my get pumped theme song in college. Like I'd be half asleep and I'd be outside of like my, my marching band or like outside of my class or whatever. I'm like, okay, here I go. And I would get the, the version from the movie. So I had the full orchestra and the most epic guitar solo I've ever heard. Oh man. That movie version is so good. That movie is entertaining too. And, and the drums just a do 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 ga do 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 ga do 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 just epic oh. and, and crazy. So you'd go from that into their cold open about or sorry that they're opening about some something's happening. Oh, Billy's sad. Why is Billy sad? Well, he can't have it. He doesn't have a date for the, the big um, dance, but everybody else does. Bulk and Skull are making fun of everybody. But let's see if Jason and Tommy can make fun of them first. Uh-oh, there's a giant, um, um, some, some kid's missing. Let's go find this kid. Huh, there's some putties. Oh, no, let's go have some fights with them. Cool, we took care of them. Oh no, there's a monster that's kind of taking um, control of the school. Quick, let's go fight them as the Power Rangers so that no one knows it's us. Uh-oh, we, we got him. That's great. But now um, Rita's used her powers to make the monster grow. So let's get the Zords, fight the Zords um, with the, the monster and take him down. But only after bringing them together. And then um, by bringing them together, because it's a Billy episode, Billy learned a lesson from all of this about togetherness and opening up and finds a weakness in the monsters, yada, yada. And then he uses that to take them down. They win. And then they go back to the school and Billy finds this cute girl and he actually has the guts to ask her out. And then the credits roll. I'm pretty sure that was an actual episode that you like. Like I think I, I vaguely remember that being a thing that happened. I mean, it, it's so vague and like predictable that it could have been like one of seven different things. Just replace Billy with blank person. But I think that actually helped the show because it never tried to be more than it was. It was a bunch of Japanese B-roll footage with, you know, some lighthearted lessons about growing up. And how to be a, a better person. So, like, I, I think that helps market it. Because sometimes I think shows try and uh, overdo it with the messaging. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is a really, we promise you, it's really clever. <laughs> so, so after they created the, the pilot episode, which which did pretty well, um, they were given a 40-episode a run. And so this 40-episode run um, basically was trying to bring in some cast overseas and was trying to use footage 
um, with the original um, Sentai people from from Zeu Ranger, um, and so they're trying to. So they got some more money, and they had them commission some extra episodes. So there's 15 more episodes for that season, but um, after the first 20 episodes of season two, three of the main characters um, left the show over contract disputes. Um, so to disguise the incident, a uh, combination of body doubles, voice doubles, and stock footage were used to continue featuring the characters of Jason, Trini, and Zach for eight episodes, and then they were replaced with Rocky, Adam, and Aisha. <laughs> yes. So that's actually one of the funnier things about is uh, they did such a good job because, again, so much of the show is in the helmet and B-roll that you really don't need to do much to hide it. But they managed to go a solid almost 10 episodes without anyone noticing that they didn't have half of their cast. And, and then they introduced Adam, who's one of the best Rangers ever. Oh, he's great. Um, so they said apparently here, um, during the, the later portion of season two, um, the production moved to Sydney, Australia, for four months to shoot Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, which was released just before the start of season three. Yeah. The movie, I remember being a huge event for me in my childhood, and my sisters watched Power Rangers with me. They were obviously weren't as big on it, but they, they were like, oh, this is fun to watch it. The movie coming out was great because it gave a reason. It explained how they went from one season to the Ninja Zords, and the thing that made that even better was the TV show had already had its own storyline explaining how they became the Ninja Zords. So the movie is kind of like in its own little spin-off uh canon and introduces it's weird cuz like I understand them introducing Ivan Ooze so introducing a main villain for the movie but it also introduces that pig who I don't really remember being one of the side villains in any of the show. No the, the pig is basically um like if you took two of the smaller guys and combined them um because they they didn't really I guess they probably didn't have the costumes for them, so they decided yeah. to create their own, and that's why everybody looks a bit different. Yeah, and it's it's funny because they're just like, oh, we don't have the Babu costume. We'll just make a pig. No one will know the difference. Yeah, no one will care. Are we going to explain it? No, of course not. What about Scorpina? She was there for like six episodes. Forget her. Okay. Scor Scorpina definitely just disappearing randomly, but then like basically in lost galaxy, they use the same character. They just gave her a different name and a slightly different look. Yeah. And I think that was probably because of how much time had passed and um, language uses because they wanted someone who was actually speaking English versus dubbing over her. Yeah. Uh, so. According to this also um, see um, Austin St. John was, um, was saying that they were not getting that well of, of pay, and that's why they left. Amy Jo Johnson left the series in the middle of the third season for, for low pay and also um, for like almost getting set on fire on the filming of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Yeah. And, and they didn't get royalty payments for the reruns, and in the show didn't become unionized where they wanted it to. And that's why they got replaced. Um, basically there was a bit of issues in the production aspect of it, but for us, the show um, went on and on and on. And, and it led to the, the question of is Zed better than Rita or is Rita better than Zed? So I feel like, Zed is terrifying looking for one. So like he made a great antagonist because he's scary. He's just a big skinless. He's skinless and has metal bones. So like he's a terrifying looking thing to begin with. And he's a giant sorcerer. Um, for yeah. for those of you who don't know, who you can see his brain. He's got like this visor and like a metal mouth. Yeah, and like his whole body just looks kind of like meat. Like it's just a red muscle with metal, like almost bones tracking along it pause the episode type in um rita r-i-t-a and zed z-e-d-d -D, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about 
And then Zed also had a giant Zord of his own that he created, Serpentera, that was just like, it was a dragon, but it was huge. Like, they kind of made the implication that it was like as big as like a planet, and he just rode this giant Zord that he only used like twice because, you know, the series <laughs> couldn't have him win anything. Yeah. But <laughs> it was cool. Oh, it was. It was, it was giant. And so. Like they fought it on a planet that was like had like asteroids attacking too. Yeah, that that whole bit was incredible, and Serpentera is just a great concept, and they they've used it a sense, but they haven't really done a whole lot of Zords fighting against the Power Rangers again because it's hard to merchandise the evil Zords. Yeah, because you want to to sell all the stuff, but apparently here they did have, you could get the Serpentera and it ended up being much taller than the actual Zords. So even oh, it'd be cool. taller than if you put the Megazord with a Dragon Zord over its shoulders and then put that on top of um, the Ultra Zord. I love the Ultra Zord so much. It's just a giant <laughs> tank that the other Zords ride around in. And then you had the like Tor, which is a, the giant turtle one from the second season. And it was a, a, a green tank with giant cannons on its legs. Yeah. Tor was interesting. I, I feel like he was kind of a misfit though in the second season where everything else is like a mythical beast. And then you just have a turtle. And like, if you understand Japanese mythology, that makes sense. Cause the turtle is one of the four like main creatures or whatever there there's a four animals that represent different cardinal directions and one of them's a turtle but like to an american audience it just felt really weird to see the dragon and the unicorn being like and our mythical friend the turtle and then they also decided to use the tiger so um when they switched over from the dinosaurs to these mystical things um they also because rita gave tommy the green ranger his power and then when he was no longer under her control, the powers decided to fade. And so Zordon, which was one of like the best reveals, Zordon, um, Billy, and Alpha had to try to find a way to create a new power coin to give him new abilities. And thus, the, uh, the Tiger Zord was created with the White Ranger. And uh, the White Tiger Ranger had himself a nice uh, a talking dagger that was snarky. <laughs> And was also, for some reason, the key for his Megazord. And it was also British. Yes, that's true. It was British. He always got the coolest stuff. Like, he had a dagger that was a flute. Tommy got all the neat stuff. Everyone else is like, here, you have a sword. You have a bow and arrow. Tommy, your dagger is actually a flute that summons dragon. Okay, cool. And then in the third season, where they had the ninja zords, like, you had, like, frogs and bears and wolves and apes. And then he had... Uh, or in cranes, and he had a falcon sword because falcons, yeah. like the 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 wings at the very end, um, turn into rockets. Yeah, and the falcon sword wasn't needed to make the megazord, but if it wasn't attached, it couldn't fly anymore. So it's like, yeah, you can have your crap version of the megazord while the white ranger is doing other things, but if you really want to be cool, we gotta wait for Tommy. There were different aspects of it when you actually had the um, the thing itself. You could put uh, it on its back so it flew, or you could put the, the arms on the outside and put it on the chest so it kind of used it as like a giant rocket launcher. Yeah, I had uh, so I had that one, and I lost some of the pieces for it before I gave them all my – I gave away all of them to the Goodwill. But I had the ape, falcon, and the wolf left. And I think the bear. I somehow lost the crane and the frog, maybe. <laughs> but, like, I had most of the pieces. That one was weird in the way it's set up, though, because the bear folded into a box and then just sat on top of the frog's head. That was a bit weird. The whole the whole construction of that Megazord was a little less seamless than some of the others. Uh, and so, like, after those, um, apparently... Um, like we we met Rita's father 
Master Vile, and he reverses time, um, turning the Rangers into powerless children, um, which which that series basically ended with the Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers who used the Shogun Zords, which, you know, bringing back more um, Japanese uh, mythology. Um, and then they used the, the kids going in some, like, um, what is it, like walkabouts, um, like like little spirit journeys to find oh. the, the, the their power, um, like little crystals, which would lead us into our discussion of Power Rangers Zeo in a future episode. <laughs> I will say uh, the uh, the search for the power crystal, the Zeo crystals, has not aged well. Yeah, from a, like, it, it's a not as uh, culturally kind as you would like it to be. Well, neither was making um, the Yellow Ranger Asian, the Black Ranger Black, and the Red Ranger. Well, I mean, yeah, but those are kind of things that. You could gloss over as just those were the kids we hired. I mean, it, that's not what happened, but you could at least gloss that over. The The Zeo Crystal Hunt was a little bit more direct in its <laughs> how inappropriate it is. Well, so in the, the Zayu Ranger, like the original one, um, there were four guys and one girl. So so the Sabertooth yeah. Tiger was a dude. Yeah. Uh, so yes, they. Uh, that's why her costume is not built the same way as Kimberly's. Because if you actually look at the uh, sections where they're in costumes, she has the same chest plate as the boys, as opposed to Kimberly's. Because in the Japanese version, Kimberly would, or the person who played Kimberly, would have been the only girl. Yep. It, so so you don't get any. Uh, so you get a normal chest, like a, a flat chest, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Uh, um, but also in it, so you, you get that aspect. And then they switched it around with, like we said, Rocky, Adam, Aisha. And then we eventually got Catherine who took over for Amy Jo Johnson. And all of it was, was, was fun, um, and, and unique. And, um, it, you know, cause you got kids who are trying to make the world a better place. You've got awesome music. You've got Lots of colors, martial arts, and giant robots. Yeah, no, it was definitely just like, if you ask the little kid the things that he would want, like if you went up to a little like six-year-old boy and you're like, what things do you want? I want it to have a lot of color. I want to see some martial arts and robots. And I want them to be kids. Like it's everything a little kid would ask for in a show mm -hmm. and just marketed for them. And it's like, hey, we're going to give you exactly what you want. How do you like it? And they want they want colors and they want toys. Yes. Uh, and apparently, so in 1995, they won a daytime Emmy for outstanding single camera photography. Interesting. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> it also um, spawned a whole bunch of video games, which we'll probably talk about in a future episode. A couple of comic books. Oh, don't get me started on the comic books. And. Um, a couple of movies, and like I said, uh, Zeo Rangers after that. So any closing thoughts on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers before we transition? Uh, I think the only, the, the big thing is I was at a event one time, and Austin St. John was speaking and talking about the importance of Power Rangers, not just to America, but overall, and he goes, I'm always talked about as I'm the first Red Ranger. I'm the first, and he goes, at an event in Japan, I had the opportunity to meet Makoto Nao, who played the first, like the first Red Ranger in the first Super Sentai. And he goes to him and goes, "I think I'm pretty cool. Everyone keeps calling me the first Red Ranger, but Makoto, like, where am I?" And he goes, uh, and he does the math in his head, and he's thinking, and Makoto looks like he goes, "26." <laughs> <laughs> and Austin St. John's like, first off, that was real humbling <laughs> to be the end of the alphabet," but like it. As much as people love Power Rangers here in the United States, I think it's important that like it's not just some silly kids thing here. It is a global phenomenon that goes back to the 70s. It's a 50-year run at this point. So clearly there's something more to it than just selling kids' toys. It's about selling kids' dreams, fantasy, and overall the most epic theme song for a kid's show. Absolutely. Uh, well, normally at this point, I'd run into the um, 
the the, the random trivia generator. But I I think we're gonna uh, leave it at this because we've given so mu- so much already as we're uh, currently cranking over the time wheel. Um, so before we go, as we always do, we we give. Um, we give our audience an awesome question for the episode. So being our guest, even what do you think the question of the episode based on things that we talked about should be? What children's TV show brings you the most joy? What children's TV show brings you the most joy? Love it. Not sure why I screamed at the beginning of that what, but you know what happens. It, it, it's because it, at the very beginning, you're formulating the sentence, and so what is the most is the thing that you're most sure of? <laughs> That's fair. Well, thank you once again for joining us on an awesome show. All right. Thank you so much. It was fun to be here. I love doing this. Oh, totally. We'll have to bring you back soon and talk about... Well, we, you and I could probably talk about Power Rangers for another 15 episodes. We might. <laughs> yeah, we probably could. There's just so much to talk about. I would not be ashamed about it at all because Power Rangers is totally awesome. It's It genuinely is one of the best things that media has ever done for children. It's perfect. It brings happiness. And that's what we're all about, trying to bring happiness to to others. Um, so if you're out there and you want to join us on our conversation or you want to answer our question, you can do so by checking us out on Facebook, Did You Know Ron, with Ryan O. You can find us on Twitter at Did You Know Ryan O. Or just shoot us an email, Did You Know Ryan O. at gmail.com. From those of us here to those of you out there, we hope that you find your awesome, hold on to it, and share it with the world. I've been Ryan O. And... We'll see you next time.